In 2002, Edna O'Brien published a book called Into the Forest. The book was controversial as it was based on real-life murders and people felt that the book may bring back distressing memories for the relatives of the victims. What was the crime that Edna O'Brien was accused of making money from? Our moment in crime is the case of Brendan O'Donnell. Imelda Rini was only 29 when she was killed. Her son Liam was three. Imelda was born in Terenure, Dublin, Ireland. She was an artist with her speciality being glassworks and mosaics and she sometimes taught in summer schools. Imelda was a friendly and enthusiastic person and was completely devoted to Liam and his older brother, Usheen. She'd met her children's father while living in London, but her marriage to Val Balance didn't last. With her marriage over, Imelda decided to move back home with her two children and she chose a cottage near the village of Scariff in County Clare. She remained on good terms with Val and each month he would travel to Ireland to see his children. April 1994 was no different. On the 29th of that month, Val headed out with Oisin, leaving Imelda and Liam at home. Val had some work to do at a school near Scariff and it made sense for him to drop off Oisin at a neighbour's as that neighbour would be taking Oisin to school. Work began as normal, but Val did notice that something wasn't right. Imelda had said she'd stop by the school to visit Val later in the day, but she never appeared. Val collected his eldest son from school and went back to Imelda's cottage. Upon noticing that Imelda's car wasn't there and that neither Imelda or Liam were at home, Val thought that his ex-wife had gone to visit her sister. But when he found Imelda's tobacco pouch inside the home and found the kettle on the stove had been boiled dry because the gas was on, Val once again thought that something was wrong. The next day, Val began to ask if anyone had seen Imelda and Liam. When mother and son hadn't returned home by the 1st of May, Val reported them missing. He contacted journalist Declan White, who released a photo of Imelda. Sadly, Imelda and Liam's story does not have a happy ending. Most victims of murder know their killers. While this was the case with Imelda and Liam, the killer wasn't as familiar with them as he said he was. The murderer said he was in a relationship with Imelda and that they had planned to move to France. Imelda's family insisted this wasn't true. It's more likely that Imelda knew the man casually and may have heard he'd once spent time in jail and was struggling with his mental health. After Val and Asheen left home on the 29th of April, the man in question showed up on Imelda's doorstep with a loaded shotgun. Some sources said the weapon was a low-caliber rifle. He told Imelda that he was going to rob a local post office and that she and Liam would accompany him. Imelda did her best to calm the man down by offering him tea and breakfast. Instead, the man demanded sex, something that he would later claim was consensual despite the signs of sexual assault. 
mother and son were then forced into Amelda's car. From the back seat, the man instructed Amelda to drive into the village of Whitegate, where she had to park outside the post office and wait while he carried out the robbery. In an attempt to calm down Amelda, who was clearly scared, the man told her about the getaway route. However, Imelda began to panic more and started to slow the car down to try and get the attention of other motorists. By now she had been told to drive towards Woodford and when the man saw what Imelda was trying to do, he shouted and Liam began crying. Wanting to get the car off the road, the man gave Imelda further instruction, telling her to drive to Craig Wood, located near Whitegate. Holding Liam in her arms, Imelda was forced into the woods at gunpoint. When Imelda tried to grab the gun, she was shot in the left eye. When Liam went to look at his mother, he was shot too. The man later told the authorities that he didn't want Liam to grow up without a mother like he had. When Imelda's burned-out car was found near Aircourt, the police theorised that her disappearance and that of her son might be related to another case they were investigating. Father Joe Walsh was reported missing a few days after the murders of Imelda and Liam. Father Walsh was last seen at 12.30am on the 3rd of May when he was seen entering his home in Aircourt. He had just taken a parishioner back to their house. When he failed to show up for early morning mass the next day, his disappearance was reported. It was initially thought that his disappearance was related to that of Amelda's because he'd often been seen in the company of a woman with red hair. Imelda herself had red hair and it was theorised that the two had been having an affair. It would turn out that the only connection between the disappearances was that the victims had the same killer. Father Walsh was a caring man who had two brothers and a sister. He was only 37 when he was killed. The man responsible for his death had been spending time with his grandmother who lived in Aircourt prior to abducting Father Walsh. It remains unclear why Father Walsh was targeted, but it has been theorised that it was revenge for the sexual abuse his murderer went through as a teenager at the hands of another priest. After spending hours in Father Walsh's home, the man forced the father to drive to Clegg Wood. Father Walsh begged for his life, even offering his killer money and his watch. His pleas went unheard and he was forced to kneel. He was then shot twice in the head. Over the next couple of days, investigators began to receive more clues. A taxi driver saw a stranger driving Father Walsh's blue Opal Astra on the 5th of May and the following day, that same car was found burned out and hanging over the edge of Williamstown Pier. A milkman saw the killer in the Williamstown area. The next day, there was another abduction. When the killer broke into a home with a pair of tights over his face, he told 18-year-old Fiona Sampson to drive the family car away from the area. 
She was told that she wouldn't be raped or killed and that she would be let go once he was far enough away from the area. The killer later said that he asked Fiona if she was afraid of dying, adding that he would have shot her if necessary. After driving seven or eight miles, Fiona drove the car off the road near Derry Golan Forest. She was then forced to walk at gunpoint, barefoot and in her nightdress. When a car approached, the perpetrator made an attempt to steal it, but backed off when the driver fired a shot. But the man wasn't completely put off trying to steal another car. When Edward Cleary, a farmer, approached them, he was ordered to stop and Fiona was forced into the car. Edward was then told to drive away, but he stalled the car instead. By now, the authorities were searching for Fiona and the authorities had surrounded the area. A helicopter hovered close by. Two shots were fired at the car's rear wheels. Edward grabbed the barrel of the man's gun, which fired a bullet into the roof of the vehicle. Eventually, the ordeal came to an end and the wanted man was arrested. He was initially held on a firearms offence under the Offences Against the State Act. Bullets found in his pocket when he was arrested would later be matched to those from the victims. The man's name was Brendan O'Donnell and he was barely an adult. In an interview, his sister Anne-Marie said that Brendan was a lovely child, but mental health issues started early on. He began seeing things such as worms in his food. His mother was often hospitalised with depression, something that made him feel abandoned and when she died after a fall in 1984, he began sleeping on her grave. After this, he began stealing guns and cars, something that he was often sent to a young offender's institution for. When Brendan began sleeping rough, a local farmer took him in and did his best to get Brendan the psychiatric help he needed. He was refused help at two hospitals, but a third offered him treatment. All that was needed was for his father to sign the forms, something that he refused to do. The farmer still did what he could to get Brendan help, going so far as to selling his livestock and offering the hospital cash. Brendan began to experience more auditory and visual hallucinations as a teenager. By the spring of 1994, he was homeless again and there was a bench warrant out for him for an attack on Anne-Marie and her baby. This caused him to flee to England. Sergeant Kieran Sheehan sought permission to travel to the UK so he could obtain a statement from Brendan. He managed to secure an informal agreement with the British police that said Brendan would be handed over. Nothing came of this and the murders occurred weeks later. In an interview with the Belfast Telegraph, Anne-Marie described how hard it is to love someone who has done such terrible things. She said, There was so, so long in my life when people couldn't understand why I wanted to help my brother. We never escaped it. People turned away from me on the street. People shouted abuse at me and my grandmother. Some of my own family wanted nothing to do with him. 
end quote. Speaking about a film called Property of the State, which looks at Brendan's mental health problems and questions if he was let down by the state, she said, I wanted, somehow, to tell his story. I felt if people saw it, they might understand, end quote. She followed this up by saying, But you have to understand, as hard as it was sometimes, I loved him so much too. End quote. Craig Wood was searched and the bodies were found. Father Walsh was discovered first in a forest drain. When the bodies of Imelda and Liam were uncovered, foresters and farmers who had helped in the search for the bodies were seen crying. At 53 days long, Brendan's trial became one of the longest Ireland has seen. He denied the murders and his lawyer, Patrick McKenty, called Brendan a quote, badly damaged creature, end quote. The state of his mental health was debated throughout the trial. Despite his denial of the murders, Brendan also said he'd killed Imelda because she was the devil's daughter, and that a voice told him to kill Father Walsh because he was trying to christen the devil's baby son. In the end, a 10-2 majority found Brendan O'Donnell guilty and he received three life sentences. The life sentences, however, were short. In 1997, Brendan died at the Central Mental Hospital in Dublin. The coroner's court ruled that the 23-year-old had suffered a rare reaction to an antipsychotic drug, of which he had been given a normal dose and died of heart failure. He'd been confined to his cell the day before, after he deliberately injured his arm and was checked on hourly before being found unresponsive the next morning. Some doubt the circumstances surrounding his death. After the murders, an internal Garda inquiry was set up and this led to the formation of regional commands to improve communication in investigations that cover different divisional command areas. A memorial was created in Craig Wood. A semicircle of 12 spruce trees were planted near two white crosses that commemorate the victims. Limestone rocks surround the crosses. A gold dove sits in front of Imelda's cross. Journalist Jim Cusack has spoken about the impact the murders had on the local area. He said, Yes, it's true that the local community was aware of O'Donnell's antics and odd behaviour, but it is untrue to say he was terrorising the local community. This was backcountry rural Ireland when nothing ever happens and no one could anticipate or suspect anything so awful would occur as the murders of Imelda and her child and Father Walsh by O'Donnell with the old single-shot twenty-two rifle. It means the world to me that you've given my podcast a chance. If you'd like to hear more, you can find over 50 episodes discussing true crime and hauntings over at my YouTube channel, Nightmares Before Bedtime. You can follow me on Twitter at NightmaresBB and on Instagram at Nightmares Before Bedtime. I look forward to sharing more stories with you from the darker side of life 
And, in the meantime, don't have nightmares. <laughs>